Welcome to episode 202 of Late Night Linux, recorded on the 7th of November 2022. I'm Joe, and with me are Phelan. I have a blue tick. Graham. Hello. And Will. Evening all. So Graham, you're on location in the Czech Republic. Yes, we're cautiously dealing with hotel Wi-Fi and 300 other nerds in the building trying to do the same thing, I think. And definitely no Czech beer. <laughs> definitely no Czech beer. A delicious salad and hummus and crisps by the looks of things as well. <laughs> yeah, this is actually the healthiest evening I've had while, being, while I've been here. <laughs> yeah, so you're at the Ubuntu Summit. We will hear an interview that you did next week, but this week we're going to just cover some news. The first of which is uh, just a little story about Twitter having been acquired by Elon Musk and his questionable decisions that have sent it to shit and sent thousands of people over to Mastodon for a huge open source win. And there's definitely no downside to any of this. And Mastodon <laughs> is a perfect replacement for Twitter for absolutely everyone. Hey, it was on RTE.ie, which is the Irish national TV broadcaster, which is shocking in itself because they wouldn't normally cover such things. And I saw it there today. So I know it's, it's clearly reached pinnacle of success at this point. Yeah, well, there are a million active users now on Mastodon, which is quite something. Yeah, I think while we all accept that an event like this isn't going to make everybody switch to Mastodon and it's not a replacement for Twitter, it's excellent exposure. Millions of people are getting to hear about something they would never have otherwise heard about. And that some of those, a small percentage of those, are going to switch and going to reinforce the ecosystem there. So it's great news for Mastodon. Sad news for Twitter, which really started off quite brilliant back in the early days. I have a slightly different opinion here, and I think that it's it's probably not that great because I think all of these normals are going to go over to Mastodon, they're going to fire it up, and they're going to be all excited and learn the platform, and then they're going to realise, hmm, this isn't so good after all. And then the meme will become established that Mastodon was this thing, but actually it was a bit shit, and now we're back on Twitter. I think that's probably more likely to happen than for Mastodon to go from strength to strength, which is sad, but realistic. Well, and also, I think it means that a lot of these smaller instances that are being overwhelmed are going to have to up their back-end infrastructure, and then everyone's going to piss off again, and they will have wasted a lot of time and money, potentially. Yeah, but we've always complained about the fact that competitors to things like Facebook and Twitter suffer because of the chicken and egg problem. And here we have a gift of people joining. I know lots of them aren't going to stay. I know it's really difficult to get your head around federated communication systems like this. And I know it's not the same. But I still think this is what we wanted from something like Macedon. This is a huge influx of new users to test it, to push it to the extremities of what it's capable of, and probably mostly leave, but at the same time, a huge influx of new minds. Yeah, well, I've certainly been active on it again, and I don't know how long that's going to last. I, I, I will try. I will really try and be more active on it longer term. I've seen people talking about how they're migrating over to it and ditching Twitter. And it's <laughs> like, well, look, if you're going to do it, fucking do it. Just don't talk about it. Just go over there and see you later. I've had a Mastodon account. I had one on a previous server, which I've forgotten about. And then I got the Fossidon one when we covered it earlier. And I feel like I had all this time to kind of like really like track down all the people I know on Twitter and make sure if they've got an account. 
follow that on Mastodon as well. Make sure all the other people who don't, I could maybe at least discover them again if they did get one. Have I done any of that in preparation? Have I fuck? And now I'm. it's like a school project all over again. Trying to read a book <laughs> at four o'clock in the morning and succinctly, you know, judge is the back cover paragraph going to give me enough information on this book <laughs> that I can blab my way through this project. Well, Danny Llewellyn's got you covered with Twitterdon. Thank fuck. <laughs> yeah, which is a simple way. You log in with Twitter, you log in with Mastodon, and it gives you a CSV of uh, all the people that you follow. And it's a, a very simple way to do it. But the, unfortunately, people have to have also used Twitterdon, so you have to kind of keep going back there. But hopefully word will spread of that i've seen it in i think in a wired article so hopefully it'll oh, get wow. some traction so uh yeah well done danny yeah well done oh, i didn't realize it was danny i was looking at going hmm, do i really want to give these this website both of my accounts linked together uh... yeah same exactly and then i heard it was danny who i know from the ubuntu yeah, podcast yeah. Uh, channel i was like well yeah sorted and who put in instances.social oh i found that the other day as well this is a wizard to try and work out what type of server you might like to be on, because obviously, you know, the whole federated instance of it, it kind of takes a bit of a, I don't know, I find it a bit different where you're obviously on a server, with, like I'm on Fossadon, so mainly that's FOSS software people, but, you know, you might like other stuff too, and then you have to try and think, setting up different accounts and different servers. Well, this one tries to narrow it down based on a few choices that you make. And uh, it, I don't know, it, it was a bit hit and miss when I tried it. But it maybe, maybe it'll find something for you, I don't know. Actually, I also wanted to mention, slightly related to that, there's been a lot of people, when I've looked, kind of saying, oh, welcome to all our newcomers, but don't forget, we've been here a long time, and these are the kind of general rules we abide by. Maybe it's my kind of, I don't like authority anyway, but I don't feel particularly welcome, or I wouldn't feel particularly welcome if that's the kind of things that people say as soon as I pop up in their feed. I just can't stand the bird site. Just, <laughs> it's so cringe, man. Just call it fucking Twitter. I get that, you know, whatever. But that's just, I, I do fear that the culture will put off newcomers. Mm, you may be right. Is, is it called a toot or a toot? I mean, that's embarrassing as well. Yeah, that's another name for a fart, for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't think of that, actually. <laughs> a tweet's bad enough, for fuck's sake. Oh, I didn't even realise a Mastodon was a bloody, essentially a woolly mammoth. Uh, it's like, what the, a fucking rock band? What? Yeah, well, the Mastodon the service is supposedly named after the rock band, which is named after the uh, North American woolly mammoth, essentially. Things I didn't know that I didn't need to know. <laughs> <laughs> But the whole Musk thing is just hilarious, isn't it? It's uh, I've heard so many funny takes. It's created so many memes. But I think that, ironically, it's actually generated more Twitter traffic than before. It's, it's almost like he's an evil genius. <laughs> no, he isn't. Stop, stop. <laughs> Look, he read a bunch of science fiction and then bought a fucking rocket company. He didn't invent fucking SpaceX. He fucking thought of every, like every other science fiction thing went, oh, electric cars. And then, oh, luckily enough, people trying to switch from cigarettes to vaping generated that enough background in battery technology from parent e-cigs that he got oh what if he stuck a bunch of them together and some engineer went do you know what that actually might work so and then he fucking what wades into this shitstorm and fucks it right over he's losing fucking stock on both of those fucking actual companies that do things and uh yeah no i will not think that he's an evil genius he's a fucking moron <laughs> 
I think one thing we can all agree on is that just because you've got a lot of money doesn't necessarily mean you know how to run a company. I think the company's run despite of him, not because of him. Yeah, that's certainly possible. One of the funniest things about this whole thing is not that they laid off a bunch of people, but that once they did, they realized, hang on, we need a load of those people back and started (laughs) begging them to come back. Quality. But there's the talk of class action lawsuits and the fact that employment law may have been broken and who knows what's going to become of it all. It is, it's, I don't know, it's just a shit show that is just moving at a, a very fast pace. The, the people impersonating him and getting banned and stuff <laughs> and him saying, yo, it's got to be parody. And, and, you know, he went from, uh, the, you know, comedy is legal again on Twitter to you can't impersonate <laughs> me, otherwise I'll ban you. Yeah. People saying that he is uh, like the the supply teacher who is just, you know, totally lost control of the class and stuff. It has been brilliant, both on Mastodon and off. I mean, unfortunately, before we recorded, Fosterdon was down and just was throwing all sorts of errors in the official Mastodon client. They did say it was on purpose, though, because they were trying to do an update to it that they needed to do for a while. And I guess this caught them out. Yeah. But, you know, it's uh, one of the downsides of it. And um, Charlie, listener, said um, that Mastodon is the Linux of social media. <laughs> and it's it's so true. Oh, so it's perfect then. Well, then there we go. Well, yeah, you sort of take the rough with the smooth with it, don't you, is, is the bottom line. It's, it is very much the Linux of social media to me. I love the fact the, the chap who helped develop PayPal is the one who has now sold user verification for eight bucks a month. <laughs> I'm sure it's not going to be a complete disaster for democracy or anything. Nah, be grand. Okay, this episode is sponsored by Collide. Traditional endpoint security tools can make your workplace feel like a surveillance state, turn users and the IT team into adversaries, and ultimately drive your employees to work on unsecured personal devices. It doesn't have to be this way. Collide is a device security solution built around honest security. Their philosophy is that employees aren't your biggest security risk, they're your biggest allies, and your relationship with them should be based on transparency and informed consent. Collide works by notifying your employees of security issues via Slack and giving them step-by-step instructions on how to resolve them themselves. For IT and security teams, Collide provides the right level of visibility for Mac, Windows and Linux devices. It can answer questions about your fleet security that traditional MDMs can't. You can meet your security goals without compromising your values. Visit collide.com slash late night Linux to find out how. If you follow that link, they'll hook you up with a goodie bag just for activating a free trial. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash late night Linux. GitHub Copilot litigation. This is from Matthew Butterick. We talked about his potential lawsuit before well now it's a real thing and he is going full-on after microsoft and github saying that github copilot is an ai product that relies on unprecedented open source software piracy strong words from him i don't want to spend too much time on this because we have spent an awful lot of time talking about it but i think we have to acknowledge that this lawsuit is real now and is potentially going to have quite far-reaching consequences. Yeah, and thinking about it now, I think it was impossible to avoid something like this happening. In a way, it's testing a brand new kind of paradigm Mm. in fair use, I suppose, for the US. It's a bit like 
coming up with the GPL releasing software and then sooner or later you know it's going to have to be put to the test at some point and I think this is it this is the first test anyway yeah and uh Hayden Barnes who is the co-host of Linux Downtime so you know there's an interest there that I have to disclose but he's got a, a blog post about this saying that this lawsuit is potentially disastrous for open source software generally so you've you've got some very strong feelings about this but ultimately you're right Graham this was going to be tested it needs to be tested we need to have this court case probably more than one court case to sort all this shit out and work out is it fair use and if it isn't, what does that mean for training AI models? Yeah, it might mean that they have to adapt to something that we, us or even failing would find acceptable. <laughs> Steady on, <laughs> it's not going to happen. Hey, if you're writing GPL code and you use my GPL code, including your GPL AI written software, then that is okay. I think that's the only thing, though, isn't it? Yeah, and if there was a kind of, I don't know, like an ABI equivalent for recreating the the models that they use. Well, we've had some people write in to tell us that we don't know what we're talking about, which is a, a very fair and valid critique. Um, and they seem to suggest that there is a way to do that, which is great. I mean, I don't know, but I had to look over Hayden's stuff. And I mean, whatever he says about it, he seems to be very much on the extreme end of the utter acceptance that how great it is and it's going to be fantastic and all this and it's very anti this i don't know whether he was just taking a contrary position or not or whether he really believes that but you know somewhere in the middle maybe there's a truth but i just i don't like blanket statements that say oh ai can do whatever it wants across this data set it was like fuck off no it can't i didn't give it permission well to be fair to hayden he does have a legal background he does know what he's talking about more than most people Sure, but I don't think you should necessarily just say, oh, yeah, well, because this AI is looking at it, then, you know, all those protections that you had, we're just going to null and void those. Oh, fuck off. I don't think that <laughs> is what he's saying, though. But that's what that law kind of says, though, about AI. Data sets can be used, and it doesn't matter what the data seems to be. Well, that's my understanding of it, anyway. I think, to your other point, Phelim, the article from Matthew Butterick does read a little bit sensational and my from my scan of it it appears that he doesn't really have a whole lot of sort of legal background other than he's cross about things whereas i know that hayden does have a legal background and his article just reads much more informed to me and so i'm intended to go with what hayden has to say here it also helped i suppose by the fact that i've used Copilot a few times. Well, it, you know, it's on in VS Code. And I found it to be extremely useful and a good learning tool. And if the code that I am writing can help other people through the medium of Copilot, I, I think I'm totally fine with it. And I think open source developers should be totally fine with it. This is the new way of sharing and teaching. It's like having somebody sit next to you and say, point out your mistakes or suggest better ways of doing things. I think that it's the future, and I think that we should embrace it. See, Phelan used to be with it, but then they changed what it was. <laughs> no, no, no. You see, it's when this thing is helping some closed source project write their next greatest piece of code because it's ripped off my amazing algorithms. And they could, no, I just think that's wrong. I think you've got to maintain the same license all the way through the code. Otherwise, you know, Equally, I, I demand that they show me some of the kernel from Windows NT then, you know, but that's not going to be in there, is it? Because they would never allow it into the data set. It's like they're doing a great job of sharing everybody else's stuff that didn't want to be shared in this manner, but they're not going to do it with their own stuff. 
Well, someone did bring up the leak of Windows source code. I don't know if it was XP or NT or whatever. Anyway, there was a big leak recently in the last few years, and no open source developer wanted to look at it for fear of being accused of copying it. Well, rightly so. It's the poison fruit from the tree or whatever the hell they call it. Yeah, so there's a clear link there, but is it different because it's AI? I don't know. I feel like we've talked a lot about this recently and not come to any conclusions. And to be fair, Will, Matthew Butterick is a lawyer. I don't know what experience he's got, but uh, he's not just talking bollocks out of his ass. He's just got a different legal opinion to uh, Hayden by the looks of it. Uh, I never said he wasn't a lawyer. I said that his writings were didn't really fill me with uh, much conviction to his ideas. Well, yeah, his previous post, which is on a different domain, curiously, and uh, I, I don't know. Anyway, that was GitHub Copilot Investigation, I think. That was very light on actual facts and very heavy on hyperbole. Well, we just love going for the latest technology, though, without any consequence to it. Boo. <laughs> That's my legal opinion. (laughs) (laughs) Late Night Linux is not legal advice. On to a bit of admin then. First of all, thank you everyone who supports us with PayPal and Patreon. We really do appreciate that. If you want to join those people, you can go to latenightlinux.com slash support. And remember, for $10 or more per month on Patreon, you can get an advert-free RSS feed that includes this show, Linux Downtime, and Linux After Dark. And do check out both of those shows. They're great. And if you want to get in contact with us, you can email show at latenightlinux.com. Okay, this episode is sponsored by Linode. Go to linode.com slash latenightlinux, support the show, and get $100 free credit. From their award-winning support, offered 24-7, 365 to every level of user, to ease of use and setup, it's clear why developers have been trusting Linode for projects both big and small since 2003. Deploy your entire application stack with Linode's one-click app marketplace or build it all from scratch and manage everything yourself with supported centralized tools like Terraform. And check out their managed MySQL, Postgres, and MongoDB databases that allow you to quickly deploy a new database and defer management tasks like configuration, managing high availability, disaster recovery, backups, and data replication. Simple and fast to deploy with secure access, their flexible plans include daily backups. So go to linode.com slash late night Linux, create a free account, and you'll get $100 in credit and support the show. That's linode.com slash late night Linux. Signal thinks it's Snapchat. They are introducing stories, yet another feature that nobody wants. And instead of concentrating on making a decent open source, secure instant messenger, they're wasting time chasing growth and money with this bullshit. Yeah, nice one. I don't even know what stories are. Could someone tell me? I'm sorry. All right, so picture this, right? You take an image or a video, add some music to it sometimes, add some stupid fucking writing to it, and then you post it, right? But this is the kicker. It disappears and can never be seen again after a certain amount of time. So people only have a certain amount of time to screenshot it and or try and download it. And it's ethereal. It's The, the whole point of it is that it's... I don't know. I don't know what the point of it is. Mm. It's fucking stupid. (laughs) Young people like it. Facebook's got it. WhatsApp's got it. Instagram's got it. Fucking everyone's got it. And so Signal think that they need to add it as well. Well, from your description, and I don't know, I don't have a strong feeling about it. (laughs) If they've done some research and thought that this might attract a new, younger, hipper kind of user, then maybe? Well, to be fair, you can turn it off very easily, but it just feels like a waste of fucking time to me. And this, 
in the same week that there was drama over the Signal desktop snap, where there was a thread on the Ubuntu discourse, someone noticed that the snap had disappeared, and then the snap team was a bit opaque about it, and then the maintainer popped up and said that it had been DMCA'd. It seems to have been fixed now a few days later, so fuck knows what went on there, but the whole thing leaves a bad taste in the mouth, especially combined with the removal of SMS support, which, you know, I didn't care about, but people seem to really fucking care about. Just Signal seems to be something that I just want to use less and less these days. I agree. I don't want to get into Mozilla territory with Signal. <laughs> they could be doing more. Come on. Go on, reach, Graham. We've got <laughs> enough hate to go around. No. I mean, we could bring up Mozilla Ventures if we really want to get angry. No, you wouldn't <laughs> let it lie, would you? <laughs> Mozilla Ace Ventura, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to give up hope because what else is there? There's Mastodon, but, you know, it's a totally different thing, isn't it? Signal is, is the only real hope for private, secure open source messaging no, and it just pains me to see him fucking it up it really annoys me the way moxie was sort of bad mouth and uh, you know oh if your client is not built by us then we don't want you on our servers meanwhile we have to then just assume that we can trust them sort of thing i don't know i just don't i've never liked signal and i have to use it for some clients but i really don't like it I'd almost prefer the Wild West as Telegram, where you go, well, at least the client's open source. Sure, there might be a jihad going on at the moment, or maybe Russian mercenaries are after me, but, you know, at least I know the client's open. I don't know. I think that I trust Signal more than Telegram, but Telegram's got Taylor Swift stickers, so that's why I stick around. (laughs) But here's the thing. I can get a KDE client that works on the Telegram servers, so I don't have to trust their client. I can just have, you know, a completely KDE-based one. And that's what it should be. It should be a, you know, they can set the super strict protocol level and then just allow people to talk to it. And if the client cocks up, then just kick that client out. I don't see why we have to trust their bit. I bet it's because of this type of stuff where they're going to foist a whole lot of unwanted features upon people. There must be a way to get it working in Pigeon. I'll have to ask Gary about that. There must be a plugin to make Signal work. But I just don't care enough is the problem. I don't use Signal for basically anything apart from talking to my brother because he got sick of WhatsApp and didn't want to use Telegram. So occasionally I talk to one of my friends on there when he wants to tell me super secret stuff, which just is totally fucking irrelevant anyway. (laughs) But otherwise, yeah, I talk to two people on Signal and otherwise I just wouldn't have it installed at this point. Telegram and WhatsApp do me. Yeah, I kind of agree, but I'm glad Signal's there because Telegram could change overnight. Yeah, very true. Well, Telegram does seem to be going downhill. They seem to be adding loads of bullshit features and stuff. And the web.telegram.org just seems to get worse and worse every day. And I refuse to install a client if I can use a website or a web app, whatever. It's Matrix and Mastodon for a win, I tell you. Yeah, Matrix, yeah. Well done. Otherwise, we would have got about a thousand emails. Yes, obviously, Matrix (laughs) is the the other one. (laughs) And I've got Element, and that's fine. It works fine, but network effect, you know, it's hard enough to finding people to talk to on fucking Signal, never mind Matrix. Ah, so we just need to get Elon Musk to buy whatever the opposite of Matrix is. Right, job done. Probably a Google product out there he can have for cheap, or several. Yeah, job lot. <laughs> I think Ofcom just announced that they were removing the requirement for people to be able to accept faxes, so that's my life over. <laughs> No doubt someone's going to say, oh, bridges, that's the answer Uh, to it. All your ills, get some bridges between Telegram and Matrix and 
all sorts. Yeah, that's great. They work really well in my experience and don't break all the fucking time. The only thing that breaks more often than fucking bridges is new pipe, and that is definitely <laughs> not their fault. Don't worry, patch came out last night. I know exactly the one you mean. <laughs> yes, yeah. And I'm so grateful, and it must be such a thankless task maintaining new pipe, man. They have just so much patience, and uh, well done, all of those devs. We salute you. All right, well, we're running out of time, so we've got a pick between either shitting on Mozilla or laughing at cryptocurrency twats. <laughs> so which is it to be, lads? When was the last time we shit on Mozilla? Oh, no, wait a minute, last week. <laughs> that was last time. I believe that's a constant of the universe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, Mozilla Ventures, anyway, they are going to invest in responsible tech. They're going to be a VC company, it seems. And it's going to go really well. It's going to go great, yeah. And it's definitely not going to distract from the core mission of making a fucking browser that's good. <laughs> they clearly listened because last week we told them that we wish they'd invested their money better and here they are trying yeah. to be like that. Yeah, fucking mm. hell. Maybe they do listen. Hi, Mitchell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, subscribe to the Patreon, Mitchell. You can fucking afford it. <laughs> <laughs> While you've still got the cash in the bank. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, quickly then. Source Hut has updated their terms of service to ban cryptocurrency and blockchain-related projects. This is fucking brilliant. I mean, Sourcehut's not exactly huge, but well done, those people. You know, when you said blockchain, then I heard blood chain. It's <laughs> 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 oh, quality. I, I have a Sourcehut account. I, I need to look for a paid account now because, I mean, that's worth <laughs> the money alone. Yeah, it is quite funny that they've done this. And it's it's a real good moral stance, I think. Mm. Like they've really assessed the whole thing and they've they spell it out in, in really plain terms that there's just no useful project that has come. And they talk about social ills and environmental impacts and everything and uh, To the moon. <laughs> yeah, just well done, is all yeah. we can say, yeah, I think. Right. That you, you, if I had an opposite to my NFT shit list, you'd be on it, Source Hut, so well done. Yeah, nice bit of marketing when they realised they didn't have any crypto projects. Yeah. <laughs> okay, this episode is sponsored by Entroware. Go to entroware.com. Entroware sells computers with Ubuntu and Ubuntu Mate pre-installed. They've got a range of desktops, laptops, and servers, and most parts are configurable, so you can pick the CPU, RAM, and storage that's right for you. If you can't find exactly what you want, then do contact them and they'll work with you on a bespoke solution that's perfect for your needs. They ship to the UK, Republic of Ireland, France, Germany, Italy and Spain. And if you do buy one of their machines, there's a little drop down at checkout and you can select late night Linux so they'll know that we sent you. So go to entroware.com for all your Linux computing needs. Let's do a quick KDE corner before we get out of here then. The first one, a new KDE control center widget inspired by iOS. Talk about cognitive dissonance, eh, mm-hmm. Phelan? Yeah. Cheers, <laughs> Joey. <laughs> KDE giveth, and then you take a big dump right in the center of my nice new plasma widget, you arse. Uh, I believe Super Caramba had this long before iOS did, and it, it just bad taste in the mouth. I haven't used it since. What, just because Joey thinks it reminds him of iOS? <laughs> just because, yes. Even the developer of it put it on the site now when I went and looked at the GitHub, I was like, oh god, I'm so disgusted right now. Anyway, it's great. 
Mm-hmm. And this is like in KDE, you can just install it via the extensions thing. Yeah. It, I mean, it is actually quite good. It's just that I, I have mine up my taskbar. It's just a press a button drop down. As, as you say, like I flicked on do not disturb for this show. It's handy for the media function thing as well and brightness display. It is actually a really handy feature, but I mean, it's just a handy all-in-one toolbar pop-down, and I'm pretty sure we've had this before, but anyway. KDE for creators, what's this? Uh, Yeah, this is quite cool. So it was part of their plans for sort of promoting KDE, and uh, this is a really cool page, I think, for people who are into media stuff, audio, video, and graphics, and it's just a nice layout where you could send to somebody who is using the likes of Adobe or whatever and say, look, KD kind of customized the advertisement for them and what they do and various applications. And like they had promised, it's not all KD apps that they suggest. There's actually a few in there that are, you know, known ones. There's Blender in there as well, Scribus. And I think that's really cool. And it actually comes along also with the KD for kids that came out last week as well. Things like Je Compris and all those sort of things as well. So yeah, really cool. It's nice marketing material. Get you with the correct pronunciation mm. there. Uh, well, after fucking Riddell wrote in, I mean, I did have to put a bit of effort in. Riddle. <laughs> Speaking of pronunciation. He'll be happy with his name, so he will. That's what he'll get. All right. Tiling work in Kwin. Well, uh, this one is here for Graham, because, I mean, no and just no is what I'd be doing if I tiling and all shortcuts and all that. No. But this is to try and take some of that bismuth sort of inspired stuff that I think you use, Graham, or you use something like it anyway, and uh, to integrate it into KWIN and get more features on it and all the work that's going into it. So, yeah, for people who like tiling, I think they're trying to make it better. All right. Kate Treats. Yeah, uh, quite a, cool, a few cool ones that are coming out in the next release. That'll be probably around the end of December, but there's a new welcome page. There's some really nice Git diff stuff. <laughs> I still use SVN. What? <laughs> um, uh, there's, a, yeah, there's a much better config tab, and uh, there's actually a cool new clipboard thing, which I didn't even realize was in there with a rather ridiculous shift control alt and V, really easy to use at one hand uh, shortcut there, but it's actually got quite a nice pace feature where you can kind of do a bit of a merge as you do it. So... Lots of work still going into Kate, and it is such a nice development environment. Don't need any of that visual code nonsense. All right, and outlines for KDE Breeze window decoration. Yeah, I noticed this when I switched to a dark theme, and I've kind of done a sort of a mid-dark theme of late because I just kind of got fed up with the brightness of windows cutting the retina out the back of my head. And it was that it kind of swamps where you see overlaps of windows. It's kind of hard to see where one window ends and one window finishes. And this is a very subtle gradient that's kind of gone around the outside. Well, it's not a gradient. It's more like a thin line. And uh, it's part of the breeze theme. And it looks really good. And you can actually see where the windows are now. It sounds so simple, but you'd be amazed at the difference that it makes. So it's the spivtash of window decorations. I have no idea what that is. I can only imagine it is some sort of amazing sort of kickback to something very cultural. Oh, yeah, definitely, yeah. All right, and one of Nate's This Week in KDE updates, Big Brain K-Runner. Yeah, uh, K-Runner has a few people who would say it doesn't find things that they want to. I've not overly had too much trouble with it, but yeah, it's they've improved that. They've put weighting into some of the stuff, so if you've actually got a thing that's called specifically something, it'll like throw it up the top first, which is quite smart, and not just try and sort of a random keyword search. Uh, there's a nice time feature as well, which will give you differences between time zones. If you're doing traveling, if you just do alt spacebar and then type in time Shanghai, as they give an example, it gives you the time computed from now. It's quite a handy thing to have. So yeah, that's pretty cool. 
And there is also some cool Gwenview things for people who are so incapable of using Krita. You can now adjust colors and brightness and things like that. Very simple changes, but nice to have in a place like that. So you don't end up taking a screenshot with the resolution changed on an image zoomed in in the uh, clipboard tool because you just don't know how to resize one. Right, well, links to all that in the show notes as usual. We better get out of here then. We'll be back next week when we'll have an exciting interview and some discoveries and maybe some feedback if we've got time. But until then, I've been Joe. I've been Phelan. I've been Graham. And I've been Will. See you later.